Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now, here's your host, Richard Bliss. My guest today has been on the show before. Great, It's been a year, though. I can't believe it's been over a year. Um, when I reached out to him to invite him back, he was afraid I was mad at him because I hadn't talked to him for a year. Uh, no. He had an interesting campaign last year, but he is not known for his Kickstarter campaign. He is known because he covers the board game space as well as books for Geek Dad. And I want to work, welcome back to the show, Jonathan Liu. Jonathan, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Last year, it's been a year, hard to believe. Um, you did. You made a little bit of a – now, I thought that the media was supposed to report the news, not be the news. And last year, you made a little bit of news in the board game space, right. didn't you? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. So just real <laughs> brief. I, I, I know you hate to go back to a, so, a bit of a so, painful experience. Well, uh, I, I ran a Kickstarter project for my board game, Emperor's New Clothes. Yep. And as uh, – We covered that, yep, on the show. We covered that. Um, and, and it was a little more controversial than I expected it to be. Yep. Um, and, I meant to, you know, I meant to ruffle some feathers, but it got pretty um, intense in some circles. It did, and now I and I didn't have any. I was a big fan. I loved it. Um, <laughs> and and you did share. I think you shared some stuff with me beforehand. I only say I think because even the sharing of information beforehand was part of the whole um, the whole uh, experience. So it was a lot of fun. Right. You did. Uh, you did take a little bit of heat from that, but you know, in our conversations, you did learn a lot, right? I did, and and part of the reason part of the reason I wanted to run the campaign, and I, I think a lot of people got the impression I was uh, making fun of board games, making fun of Kickstarter, making fun of publishers on Kickstarter, and that really was not the intent. Um, the ultimate goal is, I mean, I I wanted to have something that was truly an unknown and a surprise that you don't see on the internet very much anymore. Nope. Things that are truly surprising and unknown that you don't have the answer because you can't go Google it. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, Those, and I think I did accomplish that I to think, some extent. Yeah, I think you did. And, and, um, uh, and it brought a little bit of attention. It got a little of attention. Um, you know, not, not nearly as much, um, Fun acting, funding, funding attention as, uh, as right. we'd hoped. But, but I think, you know, it's out there now. Um, I've gotten to play, my my copy of it finally because it took a long time for it to deliver, um, and I've gotten to see photos of parents who have given their copy to their kids and say go nuts, and that's really exciting. It's exciting to me to see you know here's this box that has a cover that's been drawn up by some you know somebody's kid, and here's a bunch of cards and they've you know drawn or stickered the dice and they've invented a game, and that's and, cool, and, and that's, that's cool. Right, and that was one of my motivations. Was you know we can we can all design games, or we should all think about think about what makes a good game, and what better way to do that than to sit down and design a game. If I wanted to get a copy of it, where could I get a copy? You might have to hit up Dan Yarrington for it and see if he'll give you one. All right, I'll have to have, <laughs> because this, this was basically it was a it was more of a performance art. Yep project than a typical board game Kickstarter because it's not something that was intended to be Retail. published and sold in the stores after right. it wasn't it was, intended. Yeah. Right. It, you know, or you can go online and you find a, all of these pieces yourself. Right. You the probably trickiest have a, thing is yeah. those white boxes that took them forever to get. It's hard to find those <laughs> unless 
you go and publish your own board game and you get the white proof from the publisher. That's how you get it. <laughs> oh my gosh. How, how ironic that uh, just making it simply white was the, was so difficult. And, and that's the thing was, that's what inspired me to begin with was seeing those photos of, you know, here's the white copy of, you know, chicken Caesar. Here's the white copy of Viva Java. And I was like, I want that. I want a, I want a white box with all of these components in them, because that would be really cool. I could do something with that. You could. And, uh, and you know, I had no idea that it would take it would be so much trouble to actually get a copy. <laughs> it may have been less trouble to actually design a game that I was going to print and get the white copy for free. <laughs> yes, but it's been it's been a year now. That was a, mm-hmm. uh, a March or April of last year. It's been a year. You and I have uh, corresponded over the last couple of years. We've both been covering this space. Uh, you just so people know, you write your. Um, an editor for Geek Dad. That's geekdad.com, right? Yes. And you cover, if I understand right, um, the board game space, but you also cover books, children's books, and uh, apps, and uh, some personal stuff in, on that site. Is that correct? That's right. So let's. So, yeah. I, I wanted to talk to you about one thing because last year, last year when you and I were speaking, we talked about the difficulty it was in the journalism side of things. Um, you know, my podcast is specifically designed around talking about Kickstarter, but not necessarily talking about Kickstarter projects in, as a promotion standpoint, just talk, but talking about Kickstarter in general. But you, a year ago, when I, I recall, you talked to me about the difficulty you were having because all of this onslaught of Kickstarter content that you were finding it difficult to write about just the space, other games, and that you were trying to limit yourself to the, the Kickstarter, that it was becoming all Kickstarter. Here we are a year later, and I get the sense that it's changed a little bit. Right. Uh, that my, my, my had good intentions. Yes, you did have good – well, we all did, right? It was like <laughs> – didn't, didn't follow through. You know, the, the, problem, the problem for me is you have the, the urgency of a Kickstarter campaign tends to trump – anything else. Um, so if some, if a, if an established publisher or, or even someone who already ran a Kickstarter successfully and now has a copy of their game, when you send me a game that is sitting there and you can go buy it on online or in a store versus this other one that may or may not get published because it's on Kickstarter right now, I tend to focus on the Kickstarter one because I have a hard and fast deadline. Right. You know, if I write about this before the campaign ends, it might do some good. If I don't, then it's not worth writing about. Versus, oh, well, here's this game that has been published, and there are reviews sitting out there, and you know, you can go and buy it, but it's already it already exists. Another and uh, another difference. It, you know. go, so another difference is, is that a year ago in March, when you and I were speaking, that was in t- 2013, and we were talking about what had occurred in 2011 and 2012. And in 2011 and 2012, there just there weren't that. I mean, there they were coming, but there weren't that many. So it was still kind of a new thing. Right. Oh, look, here's a couple of dozen Kickstarter projects this month. All right, I'll take a look at them, and then I'll pick one. Now, right. uh, you and I uh, just before we started to record, we went and looked. Right now, is the time of this recording. There are currently right now 431 active games on Kickstarter right this minute. And in 30 days, which most campaigns will turn over in 30 days, there will probably be another 430 to 450. So yep. that's the other difference, right? Is that right. it's 
the this just I called it the tsunami that was coming last year. And now yeah, it came. It came. <laughs> it came. And, and um, is it fair then for an should an established publisher be standing up and screaming and saying, "Hey, this isn't fair. You need. I'm I'm an established with a reputation, and I've got good products, and it takes a while. I just don't have the 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 sizzle of a Kickstarter, so I should be paid attention to. I'm more important. So far, no one has come and complained to me. Okay. Um, you know, but I will admit. I mean. I I have felt it I felt it's unfair on their behalf. <laughs> and I've been trying to focus on, you know, I write up a couple of Kickstarters and I will write up some, you know, a couple of uh, board games that are that are published already. Um but there's only so much time, right? There's only so much time for for me to sit down and play games and there's only so much time I can spend writing. And um the 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 problem is for me just at Geek Dad is that there are fewer of the writers at Geek Dad who are interested in writing up a review based on, you know, a, a halfway finished prototype. Um, and so a lot of times we'll get, you know, PR requests saying, Hey, can you write about my game? And I'll, I'll give everybody a chance to chime in and say, yeah, yeah, I want to write about that. And when nobody does, a lot of times it falls to me to say, yeah, sure. Send me a, send me a copy and I'll take a look, <laughs> you know, and, and part of that is because I really, one of the things I really loved about Kickstarter is the fact that you can be a nobody with a really great game idea and get it made. Right. Um, and it's, I feel like it is becoming harder and harder to be a nobody and still get attention on Kickstarter because of the tsunami of games. But I'm doing, you know, it's like I'm trying to do my part and say, well, here, here's a really cool game that I think, you know, that I enjoyed playing. I think you'll like it. And sometimes it goes well. And sometimes, you know, there's some games that I think are really great that don't get funded simply because there's just so many of them. You know, I wrote about, about 20 to 25 projects in April alone. And what was, what was your plan at the beginning of April? What was your plan? How many were you going to write about? Uh, four to six of them. And you wrote about <laughs> 20 to 25? Something like that. What happened? Well, I kept getting really fascinating games sent to me. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I think I, I try to, I try to pay attention to the ones that don't already have a huge following. So, you know, for instance, there are some where I say, okay, well, you know, uh, the greater than games guys were, we're publishing um, another game. They're publishing their Sentinel Tactics yep. game, and uh, Indie Boards and Cards was publishing a, a like a sequel expansion to to Coup called Coup Reformation. And I said, well, you know, those are those look like really great games, but they've got a built-in backer base on. Yep, me. yep. And so I included those in one of my roundup posts. You're know, like, here, this is kind of cool looking. You know, if you know these guys, check it. You, you're already checking it out. You're probably already backing it. If you don't know about them, here's just a little blurb about them. Go back and take a look. But I don't feel like in those cases I necessarily have to do a full-on review because you know people people know them by now, right? People they've got a, a huge, very loyal backer base, um, and they launch a product and it's you know a project and it's it's funded in the first day or two. Right now, you mentioned that it's getting maybe getting harder. I think one of the reasons it's getting harder is because right because of its own success. I mean, if you just go look at some of these projects that are out there, uh, the uh, and I talk often about the artwork is stunning. Mm -hmm. Right, 
it's stunning compared to the early days where they were hand drawn, right? And somebody was trying something like, hey, I got this idea. Or if you talk to the guys over at TC Minstrel when they did Eminent Domain back in 2010, was that mm-hmm. what it was? Yeah. That they didn't even have art, that it was like napkin stuff. Here, this right. is what we want to do. And you just can't, that just doesn't cut it anymore. Right. And, and that, that does make me a little sad. Um, because I think the, the sort of the seed of Kickstarter, right? The initial idea was I would like to do this thing and it requires a lot of money. So let's see if there are enough people who believe in this idea that I can get that much money to make this project. And now I think because of the way people have raised the, the bar for what the Kickstarter campaign should be, you end up with people who... You, if you don't have, if you haven't already paid for artwork, and if you haven't, you know, spent a lot of money on making nice prototypes to send to reviewers, you know, and spent a lot of money on a high quality video, then you can't compete with other people yeah. on Kickstarter, yeah. it, or it's very hard to. You're right, and I'm gonna. You're right. I do not disagree. So even if I say but, that doesn't mean I disagree. <laughs> um, when I look at this. If we, you're right. The but is compared to three years ago, the fact that we're telling somebody that they can get their game in front of thousands of people or have thousands of backers and all you have to do is spend $1,000 instead of mortgaging your house right. and printing up t- 2,000 copies, we've moved the – the threshold has been lowered so far. But compared to two years ago where the threshold was, hey, I got a Kickstarter campaign. What's that? Well, go check it out. Cool. I'll give you $1,000. Okay, that that you, that you, that, right. Right? that exuberance has kind of gone away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I, but I think it means that um, Kickstarter is seen – is becoming more and more of a pre-order system than a – a way to support crazy ideas that wouldn't get made outside of Kickstarter. So right? I, th- you're, I think it's, you're it's, right. It's becoming closer and closer to a traditional publishing model. You know, I've heard it said from a comic book standpoint that if Kickstarter was a publisher of comic books, right, they, they would be number two behind number Mar- two behind mm-hmm. Marvel. And if you think about it, if they were a publisher of board games, if we got to count all the board games that get funded through their publishing house, right. I've got to believe they'd be number one, right? 400 a month. Mm-hmm. What, you know, yeah. Um, so yes, I, I, I see that. One of the things though I think where, where I think there's a glimmer of hope, that is this – I call it the ecosystem that's building up around, particularly in the board game space, where if I do have an idea, I can actually get for – just a little, I can go to Game Crafter. I can go to some of these. I can go to, you know, put it up on print and play. There's all kinds mm-hmm. of communities I can join now. I can, we just had the Unpub uh, here in San Jose. I can go get people to test it. I can get feedback. I can get in front of publishers. And so there's a yes if you want to raise all that money. But there's also this new way of these, um, these creative types that you were just describing that allow them to get in front of people that they would have never been able to get in front of. They would have taken their game to some big con like Gen Con, wandered around just begging somebody to stop and look at their game. Right. Um, instead now, there's this huge community that's starting to build up, and I think that's probably what we're seeing um, as we continue to cover this space. Yeah, I think um... – you know, I think that there's still very few people who are doing something like a game salute, which is to say, here, 
you give us the idea and we run the campaign and right. we are in charge of production and fulfillment. Right. Right. And I think there, there are more, there are more companies now definitely who are publishers using um, Kickstarter as their primary. Yeah. Kickstarter publishing business companies. model. Yep. Right. Yep. So, you know, tasty minstrel, uh, dice, hate me games, um, greater than games. You know, all of these folks are definitely using Kickstarter as their, their default model. This is how we, this is how we, you know, raise the funding and, and print the game. We're not going to put out capital ahead of time and print a game without having it go through Kickstarter. Um, but those are not folks that you could just say, I want to run a campaign. Will you take care of fulfillment and the production fulfillment side of things, handle all of that for some fee. Right. And I do think I'm surprised that there aren't more competitors for, you know, games loot's business to say here, you know, we're going to step up. We've published some games now. Um, we'll take that. We'll take your idea and run this for you. Yeah. Interesting. But they have, um, that they haven't stepped up, you know, and, and it may be, I mean, it may be that people want to be seen. I mean, you know, tasty minstrel doesn't want to be seen as, um, as the middleman. They want to be seen as a, a selective publisher, right? And right. I think that's what most of, probably most of these particular folks, you know, Stegmeier game or Stegmeier games, they probably want to say, look, you know, we're going to be very selective about choosing, picking and choosing which games we want to publish. But it means there isn't sort of a, an easy go-to solution for uh, self-publishing, right? Right, right. The self-publishing yeah. is, and that came up in the, in the, the panel I was on about should you self-publish and it's getting to the point where I started thinking about, oh, the there's a whole new set of gatekeepers that are kind of growing up now, right? right. That are like, oh, no, no, you shouldn't come through us. We'll take care of you. We'll publish it for you. Right. Um, and it is and, it is still Meyer Game because I had called it Stegmeier Game, but you right. corrected me. Jamie over at Stillmeyer Games. Yeah. Although he, and, does, and I think, he, he only does his own design right now. Right. And I think that the thing is, you know, you have all of these board game designers doing the same legwork over and over and over again that other publishers have already done or other first time publishers have already done. You know, every, every person who publishes a game for the first time is yeah. having to do the same legwork. Right. And I know, you know, Jamie has put up some really great posts on his site about here, here's how you do international shipping. Here's how, you know, here's how you do these things. But you're still responsible for making all those connections and making all those contacts yourself That's that so many people already have, right? And I think there isn't anyone that I've seen so far that's interested in saying, I'm going to build a business not publishing my own designs, but basically walking other designers through this process. And I think you could, you could probably get a lot of business you if could you started a company that you way could. and you could prove, you know, and you could prove that you could do it. Right. Yeah, you could. Um, uh, it, it's, it is difficult because there it comes down to the money. How much money is somebody willing to pay you? Right. Cause you did your own Kickstarter and then kind of handed it off because you had a life event happening, a child being born and recognize the amount of time necessary to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's it. The, it takes a lot of time. Right. Jonathan, we're out of time. Speaking of okay. time, we are. We're out of time. I want to say thank you very much for uh, taking a few minutes to uh, just kind of chat and catch up. Yeah, that's great. People can find you at geekdad.com, right? And covering yes. all the different spaces. Hey, would you be willing to come back and do another episode to kind of talk about 
what you look for in a good game design or um, you said you cover the books as well. If somebody's sending you something, kind of some – you got some pointers that you could give them? Sure. Sure, we can do that. All right. Well, we'll have you back next time. Jonathan, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Richard. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. My guest has been Jonathan Liu. He's the editor over at geekdad.com. Go check it out and uh, be nice to him. If you uh, want him to review one of your games, realize he's getting flooded. So uh, be kind to him. Thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>